Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Amen. So I salute each and every one with the honorable and the blessed words of grace, mercy, and peace. May they be multiplied unto you. We welcome you to The Voice, which is hosted by T.L. Elliott Ministries. Under the sound of my voice, Archbishop Dr. T.L. Elliott. And as I say the voice, I echo each and every time the commissioning of this particular service is why you believe what you believe and why you do what you do. As kingdom people in the body of Christ, the more that we press into the word of the Lord, the more we need to be sound and foundational in our, as we say, doctrine or in our way of belief as to not just doing things because everybody else does them but we become convicted to the things that we do because we understand why we do them and we have a passion or a faith or a conviction behind doing them because we know they are uh, in the best interest of what the Lord has designed for each and every one of us for eternal life amen so in that there are so many different fundamental concepts that the Bible articulates from Genesis to Revelation. But if we don't take the time to understand all of those uh, foundational principles or uh, ways of doing things, then what happens is, just like anything else, uh, as we are human beings and creatures of habit, the things that we don't completely understand, notice that we don't convict ourselves to do them. We will eventually fall off or stop doing them because there's nothing driving us because we don't put value to what we're doing, why we're doing it, when we're doing it, and where we're doing it. So in that, I believe as the Lord has given me the unction of the Holy Spirit to uh, establish this particular service, to help individuals based on subjects that are significant to their salvation, that are significant to their journey in the body of Christ, to explore and walk through each of those specific subjects or areas. And in walking through them, I believe based upon the, if I may say, the mathematical formula that the Lord has given me, which is six equational factors in order to get us to the whole. And the six equational factors that I'm referring to is who, what, when, where, why, and how. And those factors are questions because those are the questions that our finite mind formulate around when it comes to a subject. Usually anything that's presented to us, we will ask in our head, one, if not all six of those questions in order for them to be answered and us to be sold to that subject and that understanding. So in that, I believe, based upon the guidance of the Holy Spirit, that always in the voice, 
we look to take the time to address those six areas in some shape, form, or fashion in order to help foundationalize the individual that's listening. Because once you have those foundationalized, then in most instances, you are confident with what you've been given and now you can move forward. You can uh, uh, walk in the spirit of the Lord having more of an understanding of what you're walking into, how to walk through it in order to walk to what the Lord has for you. Amen. So in saying that, I, I digress regarding the purpose of the voice and I refocus now uh, on the subject at hand and what we have been uh, studying per se and what I have been teaching on to get foundation is the subject of the purpose of divine consecration slash uh, sanctification because for those who have been under the sound of my voice they are two terms that work in tandem with each other uh, as I've said to many, sanctification is the process of us separating some things out of our lives mm -hmm. in order to dedicate ourselves to some things in our life to be in service unto the Lord. And when we live a sanctified life, when our lifestyle reflects that as to who we are as an individual or as a person, what happens is sanctification is the prerequisite that qualifies us for the Lord to call us or identify us or to select us to be consecrated unto him. And as I stated before, consecration means not only am I living a sanctified life, but I have also dedicated my, my life to continual service unto the Lord. And my service unto the Lord is to serve him by serving others in the kingdom, i.e. for those who are under the sound of my voice and are familiar, this is where we understand or come to the conclusion when we say consecration in the church. We find that it is something that we do regarding significant leadership offices or positions of influence that we recognize in the church in order to help other individuals live a sanctified life and for other individuals to now have a spiritual ear to hear when the Lord calls or invites them to being consecrated unto him for continued service in the church or in the body of Christ to be a greater level of leader for the body or for individuals beyond just trying to lead themselves in a righteous lifestyle. Amen. So in saying that, um, the last time that we came together for the voice was part three and I was still in this area of really answering the, the question, uh, who must be consecrated? And I kind of segue that as a double question because not only who, but what. Uh, so in stating that from that perspective, chapter 27 of Leviticus was where the Lord led me to begin to articulate to individuals as to the who or the what must be consecrated unto the Lord. Amen. And so as a recap, when we looked at verses one through eight of chapter 27, 
it articulates persons or individuals must be consecrated unto the Lord for the service of the Lord, not just for a sanctified life of being holy unto the Lord, but for continued service unto the Lord. Amen. And as I articulate the concept of being consecrated, what what's slightly different about consecration versus sanctification is the fact that Leviticus 27 is really giving us the hub of those things that we need to look at at a greater level of service to the Lord because they're talking about being consecrated or given exclusively, meaning to be dedicated unto him. That becomes their lifestyle or their function. They're not just things, people or places, but they are designated for continued service uh, and conviction. Because see, when I dedicate something or someone unto the Lord and the service of the Lord, it should begin to resonate in our hearts and mind that the service of dedication that is being given is something that should not be grudgingly. It should not be something that uh, an individual uh, at least for a human being to find within themselves that they're rebelling in giving the service. If you think about it, most of the time people may perform jobs and the jobs that they're hired to do may not be where their passion is, but yet they do the job. And you'll notice that many people that don't like what they do, they're only doing it for the paycheck. But in the same turn, you will find that they will complain here or there or their lifestyle becomes one of complaint to the point that it sours their attitude. Mm -hmm. And not only does it sour their attitude, in some instances, it can sour the performance of what they're doing. And we began to wonder why are they doing, if we may say, a poor job? And I'm just using that as an analogy for you to really uh, wrap your mind around what I'm saying. So in most instances, it's because what they're doing is either only a stepping stone to do something else or it's something to pass time just to make ends meet. And so in that, then people aren't really sold to it. But Paul tells us in the New Testament, we are supposed to be submitted fully to those things that we serve, uh, whether they're good, bad, ugly or indifferent. And I'm articulating that this afternoon because it's very significant to consecration and sanctification, because if we as individuals are not invested in what we do for the Lord or what we do for others in the name of the Lord, then we might as well not do it because we taint the anointing of what we're doing because it's not really from our heart. We're, we're, we're really not invested in doing it. We're just passing the time for a show or for individuals to look and say, well, you did this and you did that. And, and in that, it was never convicted in your heart. And see, consecration and sanctification is something that builds dedication. It's something that builds commitment. See, just like if I may say, and I will get to the teaching on today, but it's just like, for instance, people asking the Lord God in prayer for patience. 
Many people never go and uh, examine the scripture and understand that in order for you to get patience, it's going to require you to suffer. It's going to require you to go through some things because when I ask for patience, the prerequisite of that is that I'm asking to be tested or tried with suffering in order to build what's known as patience or to build what's known as endurance. Uh, but uh, in most instances, people want patience to be microwavable. And when I say microwavable, they want it to be dun da da da. All of a sudden, I got patience because I prayed for it. But we don't understand that there's prerequisites that are required required to happen in order for something to be built because understand this anything that we do in the Lord God has to be established and when we say that it has to be established establishing means something being built in order to stand something uh, being put together something being uh, uh, brought through foundation something that's being uh, compiled together in order to be built upon because see if if I'm not able to be built upon then I have not been established in something so now I kind of go against what is the concept of what the Bible implies for us as individuals in our development for spiritual things. Hope I'm making sense. So in stating that, uh, I still come back to this thing of Leviticus chapter 27. As stated before, verses 1 through 8, we find that individuals, people are to be consecrated unto the Lord. Those who are going to be in service uh, for the Lord in ministry for his house uh, and for the body. Uh, in the same term, when we looked at verse 9 through 13, we saw that animals uh, are to be consecrated. They are to be dedicated to the service of the house of the Lord. At least back in the time of the scripture, we knew that animals were given as sacrifices unto the Lord. But it wasn't just because someone freelanced and said, well, I'm going to give this as a sacrifice. If anybody had portioned certain cattle or certain animals to be their livestock, then what they're saying is I not only have this as my livestock, but I'm dedicating a portion of it at all times to be given unto the Lord. That is what I'm consecrating or designating unto him. I think I may have used the illustration. If I had 10 sheep, uh, it's not that I'm just keeping sheep, but I know that sheep can be one, uh, my revenue for my household. But then number two, I'm like the Lord God is first in anything that I plan to gain. So that means I take one sheep out of the 10 in order to give uh, the full revenue or value unto the Lord first before myself. I think I even basically gave a revelation in this as to how this hovers around uh, what many may have failed to see when we talk tithe and offering. Tithe and offering is not just about your obedience. It's of giving your first fruit, i.e. what you're dedicating to the Lord or what you're separating from everything else in order to uh, be sanctified and consecrated or consistently given unto the Lord as a first fruit of offering. Um, when we looked at verses 14 through 15, we talked about uh, consecrating houses or buildings or places of dwelling. 
When we looked at verses 16 through 25, we talked about consecrating territory, giving fields unto the Lord. And now, once again, I remind each and every one, this is a different dispensation as to what we're finding in Leviticus, because that's thousands of years prior to our time frame. But I'm, I'm articulating this in order for everyone under the sound of my voice to have an understanding, uh, no matter where we are in history of time, there are certain things in this physical reality, in this material realm, that were considered, at least by the prophet, to be something that should be designated unto the Lord so that the Lord is always first and foremost in the mind of the individual that wants to be in service unto him. See, as I consecrate things, then it says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to focus on just the selfishness or only on my personal advantage. Sanctification will speak to my personal advantage because it's about me developing, me developing me. And the thing is, am I being developed in the ways of the world or am I being developed in the ways of the character of God? Consecration, however, takes me beyond myself. It brings me to a place of selflessness, uh, uh, not being selfish within self, but looking for the better good of others based on the service to the Lord. Amen. So with that being said, it brings me to uh, where I wish to resume teaching on this subject of who or what must be consecrated by going back to Leviticus chapter 27, because this entire chapter speaks towards certain things that should be consecrated, at least from what the prophets knew then. And in the same turn, as we look at this chapter, we can begin to reflect in our own lives and say, okay, uh, even though uh, we're in the 21st century, then I need to look and, and based upon this, I need to examine my life and see what are the things that I should be consecrating unto the Lord as I build my sanctified life to continual service of consecration unto the Lord for me as a person. Amen. So with that being said, let me carry you to Leviticus chapter 27 and let's look at verse 26 uh, uh, to see what else should be consecrated unto the Lord. In verse 26, the scripture reads, and I'm reading from the standard King James version. It says only the firstling of the beast, which should be the Lord's firstling, meaning whatever is the firstborn, as we would say, uh, the Greek or excuse me, the Hebrew word is Bekor, uh, meaning the eldest. Uh, the very first out of any sect of beast. The Bible says only the firstling of the beast, which should be the Lord's firstling. No man shall sanctify it, whether it be ox or sheep. It is the Lord. Now, what that is telling us is even for what beast one may have, if we were one that were uh, um, maintaining cattle, if we were a farmer and we had a certain uh, uh, type of animal or, or so forth, what the Bible says is the Lord is meant to be the first one that comes to mind with what you produce with that animal or with that beast, not yourself. 
because according to the world, in most instances, we're selfishly taught because usually people will say, okay, first thing you got to do, think about this. Everybody on the sound of my voice has heard, has heard this. When you get jobs or whatever and people try to tell you to advance yourself, what do they tell you other than the first thing you need to do is pay yourself? Nobody can tell me you haven't heard that before. Now, I'm not beating that up, but for those who are believers, those who are in the body of Christ, those who has the Lord God as their father, it's not about paying yourself first. It's about paying him first. It's about designating him first, then yourself second. Amen. So in that, this says anything that you got as a beast or animal, etc., you shouldn't be looking for your own advancement first. You need to look for the Lord first and then put yourself in the second tier. Amen. Verse 27. And if it be of an unclean beast, then he shall redeem it according to thine estimation. Or when we say redeem, the Hebrew word that's used here in Leviticus chapter 27 is goal, which means either to avenge, revenge, or to purchase. Okay, in most instances, we understand uh, when we say redeem, we look at redemption, just like Christ paid the price for us. Okay, now for those that may not know, if you were looking at the terminology of to revenge or to avenge, revenge is when a person takes action out on someone for something that they did to them first. Amen. To avenge is a person taking action on someone else that has done something to someone else. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure those under the sound of my voice have the understanding of what revenge, avenge means as well as to uh, be purchased. So in this context, uh, it's in, in correlation to being purchased, amen, for clear understanding, amen. If it be of any unclean beast, then he shall purchase it according to thine estimation and shall add a fifth part of it thereto. Or if it be not redeemed or not purchased, then it shall be sold according to thy estimation, okay? So what this tells us then as one of the items that the Bible says from Leviticus that should be consecrated unto the Lord is whatever beast that we may have in our possession. Amen. Because see, what, you, what you're really thinking about is when we consecrate things unto the Lord, it will give us the mindset that we are making our whole household holy unto the Lord. And when I say you're making your whole household, that means everything that is significant under your roof, everything that sits or dwells on your property, everything that has anything to do with you, not only you uh, being sanctified and being consecrated unto the Lord, but you're also having the mindset that anything that's being produced out of you abides by that same principle. Amen. Because a lot of times... Individuals, especially those in the body of Christ, we look at sanctification and we look at consecration only regarding ourselves. But we never look bigger than ourselves. 
we never look at all the different aspects of our life uh, because if, if I may kind of default back to tithe and offering again, the Bible says in uh, Malachi chapter 3, bring you all the tithe into the storehouse. Uh, and the tithe is meant to be the increase. That means anything that the Lord has added to you that definitely man cannot take credit for. So that says I need to uh, do a 360 turn and look at every aspect of my life to see what are those things that I had no control over coming into my life and looking at those things uh, being portioned unto the Lord so that the Lord can bless those things and bring greater increase on the other end. If you think about it, when people invest, people invest money, for instance. And so when you invest money, the thing is, is not just for you to give up your money and put it into an investment vehicle. It's for the investment vehicle to turn around and bring increase on what you've invested. So if we can understand that in the natural perspective, understand it's the same thing when we really look at the principle of consecrating, not only ourselves are being consecrated unto the Lord, but us being the official lording over our own household and consecrating uh, significant things unto the Lord that's under uh, the premise of what we have ownership over. I hope I'm teaching somebody. So, if we understand that, let me move to the next item. When you look at verses 28 and 29 of Leviticus chapter 27, it says, Notwithstanding, no devoted thing that a man shall devote unto the Lord of all he hath, both of man and beast, and of the field, of his possessions, shall be sold or redeemed. Every devoted thing is most holy unto the Lord. None devoted which shall be devoted of men shall be redeemed, but shall surely be put to death. Okay. Now, I know some are possibly listening or looking in, in confusion. Here, here's the thing. Just like a moment ago as I was kind of on the tangent about a man or woman assessing their household and looking to consecrate those things that they are lord over or have authority over or ownership over. The Bible here says don't withhold anything that could be given and consecrated unto the Lord. Now, in saying that, it says, once again, if I dedicate something that's under my authority of, of my household unto the Lord, I cannot be one that changes my mind midstream and take it back. Because if I take it back, then what happens is, it can be put to death. It can be destroyed. It can be separated from me. It can be dismantled from me. Now, if I can touch each and every one in their theology, let me give you an example. If 
Y'all remember in the New Testament when Peter was talking about giving to the church. If you remember Ananias and Sapphira, they made a commitment that they were dedicating a certain gift to the house of the Lord. And in that, be it, they weren't able to put, as we say, our mouth where our money is. Be it they saw that they had misspoke, they turned around and decided to keep what they claimed they were dedicating unto the Lord. Now notice... Peter's response to them is, you didn't lie to me, you lied to the Holy Spirit. And what happened? They died. Is that not what the scripture speaks here? Those things that we claim as a purchase price unto the Lord or that we're dedicating... We should not be in the mindset of that we're going to take it back. I think even in one of the previous teachings, we kind of got on this. Uh, if I'm going to dedicate something to the service of the church, then I'm, I'm, I'm actually consecrating it to be given over to that service and that service alone. I cannot be one that wants to come back and then take it back and say, I'm not dedicating it to that. I'm just going to dedicate it unto myself because I'm still going to use it for my own personal use. Amen. So in that, out of this passage, we get devoted things should be consecrated unto the Lord. Let me give you something else. Still here in the same chapter. Let us look at verse 30 through 33. The Bible says, And all the tithe of the land. Notice as I was even using tithing as an illustration here earlier, but here's even by scripture to bag up what I was saying. All the tithe of the land, whether of seed of the land, or of the fruit of the tree is the Lord's. Now, Moses here in the book of Leviticus at the time is articulating everything that is harvestable out of the earth that brings wealth to us. He says is given basically as a tithe. What I dedicate to the Lord is a tithe. And we're understanding that a tithe is 10%. So he says there's only a portion of what you are harvesting based on what I allow you to bring forth out of the earth. This is not only a tithe but the Bible redefines it as being holy unto the Lord. We look at it as a percentile, but the Lord looks at it in its whole as something that is sacred unto him. Verse 31, 
And if a man will at all redeem out of his tithes, he shall add thereto the fifth part thereof. Meaning there's some interest being assessed. Verse 32. And concerning the tithe of the herd or of the flock, even of whatsoever passeth under the rod. Listen to me. Notice that I said here a moment ago, anything that you have authority over in your household can be considered as a tithe or something to be holy, made holy, or sacrificed, or consecrated unto the Lord. That's why the Bible says anything here that passeth under the rod. The rod is the symbol of authority, what you have power over. It says anything that passeth under the rod, the tenth shall be holy unto the Lord. Anything that, let me say it again, let me make sure I say it loud and clear. Anything that is within the scope of your authority that can be given unto the service of the Lord, it is meant to be not only a tithe unto him, but it's meant to be designated as holy. It's meant to be designated as sacred. It's meant to be uh, uh, designated as dedicated. It's meant to be designated as being separated. It's not counted as part of whatever other amount of items that you have, it's meant to be designated in a separate place that's exclusive for the sacredness of the Lord. Verse 33 says, he shall not search or inquire after whether it be good or bad, neither shall he change it. One shall not say, um, is this good for me to do or is it bad for me to do? It becomes an automatic reflex, if I may say, of exclusiveness. And in that, the Bible says, neither shall he change it. And if he change it at all, then both it and the change thereof shall be holy, it shall not be redeemed. Bible says it shouldn't necessarily be changed, but as we had looked here in the previous verses of the chapter, in the previous segment, part three, we came to discover anything that is to be changed, the individual should at least have the decency to say, let me go before the man of God or the woman of God who is the representative or the officer of the Lord God and um, reason with them as to if this should be changed and if I have reason for it to be changed because of either A, it is or isn't within the capability of my commitment in order to be faithful or be consistent or be dedicated to what I have uh, vowed to do in honor of the Lord God. So now, in that, let me give you one more here out of this chapter. And it's 
verse 34, the last verse of the chapter. It says, these are the commandments which the Lord God commanded Moses for the children of Israel in Mount Sinai. So, in that, what else I am supposed to not only sanctify myself, but consecrate myself to is allowing these to be consecrated as commandments that I heed or follow. Uh, are you listening to me? This is to guide my life. What I consecrate myself to is what I make become the holy commandments of just like people look at the Ten Commandments of the Lord God. In that, if you honor the commandments that Moses was given on Mount Sinai, then what happens is as a believer, you consecrate yourself to those commandments because you keep them and they become the lifestyle. Not only that you keep as a sanctified person, but you keep them as a demonstration unto other individuals that see you so that in the process of their sanctified life, they commit themselves to letting that be a lifestyle change for them. And it becomes what they consecrate their lives to. That means on a day-to-day -day basis, they balance their lifestyle upon these things being their commandments, these things being their guideline, these things being the borders of the barriers of order that they wish to comply to. Let's chew on that for a minute. Now that gives us everything regarding Leviticus chapter 27. But I want to give you something else as to who or what must be consecrated. I think I may have alluded to this in a previous teaching, but I don't want to miss it, especially for the record. Turn with me quickly to Exodus chapter 40. In Exodus chapter 40 and verse 13, the Bible says this, and thou shalt put upon Aaron the holy garments, as we say apostolically or episcopally, vestments, and anoint them, meaning separate them from worldly use, and dedicate them to kingdom use. That means I'm, I'm, I'm placing the vestments on the officer of the house who has been 
selected and appointed to be consecrated to serving the Lord's house. The Bible says put on vestments on that individual for the process. And if I anoint the vestments, we may say symbolically, I, I put my hands on them, I anoint my hands with oil, I pray over them, so have you. But here's the thing, it says anoint him and sanctify him that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So this is a who and what moment as well. Sanctify or anoint the priest as well as the vestments that the priest is wearing. So they both are designated for exclusive service, not only to the house of the Lord, but for them to be able to serve the Lord by ministering unto the Lord. They're consecrated, designated exclusively. That's why, you know, as I remind a lot of people, whether they believe investment wearing or not, the Bible says this is a ministry unto the Lord. Not a ministry unto myself, not a ministry unto people. They're a ministry unto, unto the Lord because the Lord, I believe, in the midst of this, not only looks for the sanctification of the individual, but looks for the sanctification or the consecration of the vestments in order to hide the flesh of the individual. Many times we get our flesh involved when it comes to serving the Lord and, and we'll find that we're not really serving the Lord. We're serving people and claiming that we're serving the Lord by serving people. But the reality of the matter is about the function of being consecrated by making uh, the vestments and the individual sanctified and exclusive unto the service of the Lord. Uh, which deems them being consecrated there going forward. That the function of the vestments as well as the function of the individual is to always be in a ministerial function unto the Lord. That's why, for instance, for those who may not be aware, we don't find those who honor and value their vestments unto the Lord. We don't find them wearing them to Walmart. We don't find them wearing, wearing them out here to Kroger because uh, what happens is now you're wearing it in order to let the world see. But in this, the vestments are something that are kept exclusive for the presence of the Lord God in his house. Some may say, hey, that's a sidebar note, but I'm just giving enlightenment to those under the sound of my voice as to the significance. So we can really have um, a more focused mindset of understanding what are the significance of these things that, that we do and, and why we wear what and what is the purpose behind it, amen? So in saying that, That brings me to the conclusion of who slash what must be consecrated. And if I may, I'm just going to begin by touching 
um, one area in the why. Amen. As time is still available for us, let me transition now to the next spiritual question of the mathematical formula because as people now are understanding, hopefully, out of part one, part two, um, and part three, and in conclusion, here in part four, we have gotten what is consecration, who and what needs to be consecrated, and now let's begin to start looking at why must someone or something be consecrated? Because I know some individuals say, okay, you've articulated to us now, we, we've kind of got the, the groundwork of it, what, what consecration is about and who, but we need to know why. What is it that is so significant that makes consecration important for the things that we've articulated and examined by scripture? Amen. So, if I may, turn with me quickly to the book of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 22, amen, the Bible says, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Meaning, you're no longer a stranger in the family. You're part of the family and you have access to the family house. Verse 20, and are built upon the foundation. And notice that I said built upon. Foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Now, for those that haven't caught the teaching that I have given on this concept, I want to make sure um, you understand when I say cornerstone, um, because many people usually blend foundation stone and cornerstone to mean one and the same, but they're not actually the same. The word corner in the Greek is pinya, which means pinnacle. So the pinnacle stone is not the base it is the conclusion stone or the finale of something that is being built. It's the direction of what's being built to reach what is known as its focal point. If I can use, for instance, a pyramid as an example, 
When we say the foundation stone, we're talking about the material that's being used to build the base of what everything is being built on. When we look at the peak point of the triangle, or should I say the pyramid, that peak point is known to be the pinnacle stone. It means everything at the base is being built upon to get to a specified point, to come to a specified angle or a conclusion point or a finale point. So when we understand that, the Bible says here in verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostle and prophets. They're at the base, all right, because they are tied to Jesus Christ himself, who Jesus now is being identified as the chief cornerstone because what the prophets and the apostles are at the foundation are leading you to end up at the point where Christ is. Verse 21, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. In whom ye also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. What do I give you? In conclusion with that, other than one of the reasons why we must be consecrated unto the Lord is to prepare ourselves to be a dwelling place for the Lord. See, if I don't separate myself from worldliness, in order to dedicate myself to godliness, it's hard for the Lord to completely occupy and dwell within me. Because I, as a building for him, am not conducive to what he needs to operate in. I believe Paul says it best. He says, did you not know that your body is the temple of the living God and the spirit of God dwells in you. The, the concept is the fact that my body is meant to be a dwelling place for the Lord. Just like we can understand an edifice that we go worship in as a church is meant to be a habitable place for the spirit of the Lord to dwell. The Lord God wants to be able to consistently come to your address as a human being and dwell therein. But it's difficult to dwell therein when you want him as God in your life, but yet you also want everything else, all other forms of spiritual beings, Elohim, uh, or so forth to be in your life as well. They all can't occupy the same house. See, people can have visitors that come over, but understand visitors are not to imply that they are residents. 
And the Lord God needs us as individuals not only to live a sanctified life and consecrate ourselves to him. The reality of the matter is, as I stated before, consecration is for you to be able to be in continual service unto the Lord. That means that the Lord can continually dwell in you without having to come home and be evicted out of you because you have allowed anything and everything else to occupy you where he has no space to work and dwell in you. Let me quickly give you two more, two more scriptures that still tie to this about preparing ourselves to be a dwelling place for the Lord being something significant as to why we need to be consecrated unto him. If you were to turn to uh, the book of Exodus in Exodus chapter 40. Trying to get there myself. But in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 9, the Bible says, And thou shalt take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is therein and shall hollow it or make it holy, make it sacred. And all the vessels thereof, and it shall be holy. Now, the verse is speaking of the physical tabernacle, but we can understand the metaphorical meaning because right now, the reason we're examining about being consecrated is not just about buildings, but it's about us. It's about we as human beings, we're one of the greatest things that need to be consecrated because a building can be here today and gone tomorrow. But you are meant to be eternally in him. And so in that, when I can understand the physical illustration of what has to be consecrated as a building unto the Lord, then I can extrapolate from the text how this applies to me as a human being. That means everything about me needs to be anointed. Everything that I do within needs to have an anointing to it so that I can in totality be holy or separated unto the Lord. Now, if I can give you one more verse, and this is where I will conclude today's teaching. In Leviticus, if we could go back to Leviticus quickly, chapter 11, verse 44. Very famous verse, but I want to place it in your hearing before the conclusion of today's teaching to really resonate with your thoughts. The Bible says, for I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, meaning I am supposed to put myself in a sanctified lifestyle. Once again, separating from ungodly things in order to dedicate to godly things. And then the Bible says, and you shall be holy. If you sanctify yourself, if you designate yourself or dedicate yourself to sanctification, he says, you shall be holy for I am holy 
Neither shall ye defile yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So he says, if you sanctify yourself unto me, then you are now accountable to keep yourself dedicated to me and dedicate yourself to separating from all creeping things or things that can defile you. All things that can alter you. All things that can make you unworthy for my use. So, this hopefully brings weight to those that are listening as to one of the significances as to why one needs to be consecrated. Why one should not only live a life of sanctification, but want to be consecrated for continual service unto the Lord. Hopefully this will resonate with each and every one of you in your spirit in order to really set how you think about consecration when it comes to the Lord. Amen. And with that being said, I'm going to stop right there. Hopefully this has blessed you on this afternoon to put you in a greater place of understanding with what thoughts, what scriptures, uh, what points have been articulated unto you in order for you to value why and what is the purpose of being consecrated in the Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.